you have parthenogenesis on one side and high tantra on the other but then you have this droop where both of them degenerate into you know the rapes of the maidens for parthenogenesis okay guys welcome back to the great america show we are going to be chatting with Marguerite Rigolioso a little bit later about immaculate conception uh, or divine conception or whatever sort of conception here that doesn't involve a dude, allegedly. <laughs> um, not that and no gender stuff either, just like nobody, just straight up. Nobody identifying as not a dude or none of that, just no other... Sexual devices and divine, 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 divine birth. Is it divine for sure? Are we settled on divine? Well, that's what her book focuses on. I mean, there's all different kinds, right? There's the shadow man and the demon stuff and the divine and the giants and the demigods. I mean, like you know, there's all those stories, right? But this is like sort of Mary and her lineage of divine birth, oh, right. right? This is the Mary one. There's a fantastic well, episode. Honestly, it's one of my favorite episodes. It's, it's like she said in there co-creating we're co-creating this together you know because we talked about light and sound and i mean it is really an interesting work for sure interesting work yeah did was there a book yeah is that the one out there on the shelf uh no i have it at home that's a different one right yeah we're doing the we're doing two divine conception ones i swear that's a, that one says something about divine conception on the cover as well oh i don't know i don't think so no? No. Anyway, it's a fun chat. Um, we got Graham Divine Dunlop over here with his fabulous green shirt. I like that. Happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. By the way, 51? Yeah. 51. Big 51. 51 yeah. The big 5 yeah. 1. Of course, I'm still 40. You have pulled back ahead by another the year again. You are no longer a decade older than me. You're back to a solid 11 years older than me. I can enjoy this for another another nine months. There you go. This is where I prefer it to be. I like I like being nine years younger than you. Sorry, 11. 11, yeah. 11, yeah. Um, so, yeah, happy birthday, buddy. How was it? It was good. Yeah, it was excellent. What did yeah. you do? Narrate it all day? Same thing I do, yeah, most days, really. Yeah. It's no, more... I finished off a book, finished off some some other projects. Uh, yeah. Had some I've been trying too. to focus on the moon a little bit, too. Uh, the, the new, new moon, moon was the other the day. The new moon was Friday, Saturday. I'm trying to follow that uh, with new projects. Trying to get a little bit more into the spiritual aspect of stuff. And, uh, and yeah, had some junk food today. So well, good. happy birthday. Thanks, uh, buddy. To full, your first birthday as a full-time podcaster slash narrator slash uh, part-time painter on call. Artistic, though. Yeah, slash, a, uh, slash all kinds of slash projects. Slash whatever you yeah, need. Projects. Whatever, whatever you need. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, grammarica.ca slash support. Give Graham a birthday pat on the back. Thanks, buddy. Uh, 51 for 51. Of course, we got Scott here from Truezilla coming on the show so we can get the message out. Uh, it's only, was it two weeks or three weeks now to your festival coming up? Uh, yeah, what do we got? We got a couple more weekends and then the actual event. Yeah, so well, what's up, guys? Happy birthday, Graham, dude. That's awesome. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. How's the show going? Before we get into the festival, oh, how's your man, show going? Because you guys are kicking it, dude, right? Dude, well... Dude, show's been great, man. Like we, we started off like, so we just celebrated our one year anniversary back in beginning of June and came out right out the gate. The next interview, Judy, Judy Mikevitz, you know what I mean? So I was just like, all right, here we go. Season two. Let's do this. So it's been great, man. Quite a journey, you know? <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. It's great to Britain. see uh, great yeah. to see a bunch of guys like yourself starting up uh, shows. Yeah. 
can't have enough. Yeah, we always tell people, man, like just just get it. Yeah, just go get it, man. Like and then and you know, honestly, the same concept goes with uh kind of the freedom cell movement. We talked about that a lot, you know, on the show and just about how that kind of gave birth to this event that we got coming up too. You know, just segue into that, you know, like basically all you know, very early on in this COVID thing, like we were looking for other like-minded peoples and people and heard about the whole freedom cells thing. You know, Derek Bros, John Bush, uh freedomcells.org. And, uh, you know, we were really in- intrigued by it. You know, the idea of just like forming like little communities of like-minded people. And, uh, you know, we went to a meetup up in Portland. Uh, we're from Oregon, uh, here in the United States, you know, so, you know, we're in the belly of the beast, so to say we're, <laughs> we, uh, Truzilla crew, we're about two hours South of Portland in Eugene. And, uh, you know, we heard about a Portland area. We went on the freedom cell website and saw that the main one was up in Portland. So we went up there, hung out with them. Uh, and then that's where we actually met. Like, actually, you know who it was? It was Adam from Deborah gets red pilled. Adam is the yep. one that, uh, back when he was a listener back before he even started the podcast, he had reached out to us and told us about freedom cells. So big shout out to Adam at Deborah gets red pilled too. Anyway. And so we got to meet him, you know, he's a great friend now. Uh, but anyway, so we were like, Holy crap, we got to start something like this back down in Eugene. And so, you know, we started our own little freedom cell, like just started literally just a, just a page on the freedom cells website. And it's just taken off like exponentially. Like there's just this huge community. We've got, you know, a few hundred people in the Eugene area. Uh, we do regular meetups and then up in the Seattle area, they did uh, what's called Squatch Fest. Squatch Fest was like a big festival that's now bi-yearly, you know, harvest and then spring awakening festival. So I went to the spring awakening one back in May and I was just like, dude, we have to do something like this down here in the you know in the pacific in the oregon area so yeah it was it's kind of serendipitously all came together you know what i mean and we've just kind of been throwing it together this last like ever since may you know the mid-may when i got back from that camp out and we just like got this crew together people and uh uh awesome guy mark shout out to mark who's uh letting us use his land and you know, he's all about it. You know, he's talked about how he's done like burner festivals and he was been involved with burning man. And we're going for this big thing where it's just like, you know, we've got speakers, you know, some of the listeners might be familiar, like Matt Landman, uh, producer of Frankenskies, um, Bob Sneeves, an attorney for, uh, Oregonians for medical freedom, Tim James from chemical free body, uh, Dr. Tina Moore, um, who's just a big, you know, she's got a big voice on Instagram and has just been, you know, spitting a lot of truth this whole time. And so, you know, we got like live music and we're trying to get back. We're trying to get the humanity back, man. And so it's just, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's going to be great. And so yes. it's actually the weekend of July 29th through August 1st in Malala, Oregon. So is Paul Thomas yeah. still going to be there? And if anybody wants more information about it, you can go. What's that? Is Dr. Thomas still going to be there? Uh, you know, Dr. Paul Thomas is, has not been on the itinerary. You know, we were supposed to interview him, but he emailed us back and said, Hey, I'm about to get my medical license reinstated. So I'm kind of just going to pull back and not really get involved with any shows right now. So I don't know anyway, but no, he, we have not had any contact with him about that, but I think we were tentatively talking about having him, but it didn't, didn't work out. So anyway, but, I might uh, come down for that. But yeah. Yeah. I might come down for but, that. Uh, it's in Eugene. Yeah, I would love to have you, man. And no, it's in it's in, well, it's, in it's, it's in Malala, Oregon, which is about like half an hour south of Portland. So I can see how far it is. Okay. W A. Dude, that'd be so badass if you could come, man. 
Well, yeah, it would be nice to to go to a festival type thing. So you're gonna have speakers, like sort of lecture type stuff, and music, and sort of a mix of of all that. Yep. 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 So the first night, Thursday night, is going to be Matt Landman. He's going to be doing a presentation. Uh, like he says, like he can go for about two hours presentation. You know, his focus and specialty is like geoengineering, EMF, um, all that stuff. Yeah. And he, he, we've had him on the show too. Uh, you know, and he's just like brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, and just really knows this stuff inside and out. Has a company called Spiro um, at Spiro Gear on Instagram where he sells like uh, EMF protective clothing and little privacy pockets. Um, these little guys that you like put on your cell phone. Yep. Yeah, we got some of those. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, and oh, and then the movie Frankenstein. So he's going to do his presentation, and then we're going to screen the movie out in the forest. You know, uh, we're going to watch Frankenstein, which is a phenomenal movie. You know, if nobody's heard of it or seen it, you should definitely check it out. And then that Friday, uh, the thirtieth, is going to be pretty much music. We're just going to do a bunch of live music. We've got a few bands. Everything from like singer songwriters to just like rock and roll, uh, hip hop, local hip hop artist named Rhyme Wave. Check out Rhyme Wave. He just does like truth rap. Like I'm, he was up at uh, Squatch Fest and he was just like, you know, just rapping about all the stuff we talk about. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. So um, that's the Friday night. And then Saturday nights, we're going to do a, we're going to do a Truthzilla Live, which oh is going to be awesome. God. I can't wait. We've never done anything like that. We're going to do like a Truthzilla Live show. Uh, from about six to seven, and then that'll roll right into all the featured speakers. So, so thirteen yeah, hours. Fun. And then that, that, that Saturday night's going to be a whole DJ party the rest of the night, and I think. And then there's like stuff throughout the day. We got clinics. We got a guy uh, named John who's doing this uh, rocket stove demonstration where he's figured out how to basically heat uh, your entire off grid setup. You know, like have a hot. You could have a hot tub. Heat your house. You know, just have a big water heater, just using like wood pellets. And he's got this whole system. The mass rocket heater. So anyway, the mass rocket heater. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and then there's a couple people like Zoe, she's a friend of the show. She's uh, doing a seminar on like how to escape the matrix basically. So it's going to be good, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. That I know you good. guys are like experts. You guys are experts in this. You just had your whole event too. Right. Well, yeah, ours are a little so, different than these. I mean, this seems like yeah. it seems way bigger than what we sort of normally do. You know, ours are sort of a little more intimate, less people, more sort of sure. centered around uh, one guest, that kind of thing. And not like a yeah. whole like uh, sh- a slew of awesome, you know, presentations and guests and music and all that. I mean, we're thinking about doing something similar yeah. in the future. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely something right. Darren and I might want to check out. We'd but have we'll, to try. We'll mention it uh, yeah. on our next uh, intro as well before the, you know, the last weekend cool. before. We'll, we'll we'll mention it again for sure. It's like 13 hours probably. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, now that this hours. is my job, right? Yeah. I mean. There's really no excuse for you not to There's no to excuse for me. No, not really. Unless unless I got <laughs> other like family, family stuff to do. But yeah. Because you got your fake passport you papers. Not fake passport, but fake vaccine <laughs> papers no i don't oh yeah no i don't i don't need that dude i don't need any you have of that your real i don't need any of that we just go across the border boom we don't need any of that stuff now you're just gonna say the borders open on the way down i don't the way back that i don't care about the way back you just fuck it yeah God, i think did the u.s say they'll let you in i don't know i think the borders are opening up soon i think the 21st i heard yeah so we'll see how yeah i mean that'll that might make a difference we'll see what the borders happen uh in about cool. a week well, about 10 yeah, honestly 10 i don't know what's so. going on with the border but i know that like here in oregon they just opened back up which is crazy you did know, they like quietly we do it literally one of the last ones did they so. quietly do it 
No, it's just one day Kate Brown, our governor, just came out and said, all right, lifting all restrictions. You know, <laughs> you know, there's still some still some that they're holding on to, like public transit, medical facilities, stuff like that. You still have to wear the mask. But otherwise, we're just back in business, you know. So anyway. Wow. Yeah. So these yeah. freedom cells. So are it's they- going to be exciting, guys. And I guess I should tell I should tell the listeners, too, if you guys want any more information about it, go to. Ag- so it's like an oh, agorist yeah. type, you know, agorism type festival. So. Play on words. It's agorgon, a g o r e g o n dot s i t e dot site. So agorgon dot site. Yeah, uh, nice. that's the website. You can get more information, learn about registration. You know, they're they're encouraging you know crypto payments, um, but also you know there's other types of payments too. And so, and if you have any questions about it, you can just email agorgon at protonmail.com and we'll. We can sort you out. There's a Telegram group, which is pretty rad. Um, there should be a link at the bottom of that page to get you onto the Telegram group if you want to jump on there and learn more about it. Awesome, buddy. That so, sounds fantastic. Yeah. 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 Well, well, sweet, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. No problem. I just want to mention something, too, before we uh, before yeah. we let you go here. There is a Freedom Pages yeah. that just started up in Canada, Darren. I don't know if you've heard about this yet. It was put in our chats as well. Um, and I don't think this is like the freedom. I, we got to get into the freedom cell thing. We got to do a couple shows on that yeah. for sure. I gotta, I gotta get in that. Totally. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get in touch with you and you can send me some guys that I should, I should have totally. on. Um, and this if you one, can get Derek bros on, like yeah. you'd be the one to talk to you for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. This is, uh, this is the freedom pages.ca. And it says the freedom okay. pages is a vision born from the devastation wrought by the measures instituted in the name of fighting COVID that seeks to connect freedom loving Canadians with like-minded businesses who, who do not discriminate based on personal beliefs or medical status with respect to face coverings or vaccinations in particular. Individuals in business may post listings for employment, health services, apartments, social events, dating, travel, education, legal services, wow. and so much more, including an exp- exclusive app for businesses to find and schedule employees. So please share wow. this site far and wide to friends and family and associates who might appreciate this initiative. We hope to welcome you all very soon. So, yeah, there's a Telegram group and a bunch of stuff. And uh, there's already, it looks like Back East has is, is already got sort of a jump on the West. But there's services, social, real estate, food and drink events, alternative media. So I'd like to go down like this pops up. <laughs> and bring the kids to Silverwood at the same time. There you go. Nice. Make a little family event out of it. Yeah. Yeah. But worst okay. case scenario, we'll okay. try and get ground down there for sure. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's interesting. I'm definitely going to follow up on freedompages.ca. Maybe now is that international or is that specifically for Canada? Uh, it looks like it's just, it it's, just, like a, it's just Canada. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. We need to maybe launch something like that down here because like spike protein free dating. Like I think that's what, you know, <laughs> that, that's, that's the new, the way of the future, right? Jeez. That's, that's what caught my attention. I don't know. Sorry. The rest that's a good one. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so, these these go. freedom cells, is that small groups of like eight? I thought I heard freedom cells with eight or is that's that kinda, a separate thing? Or Yeah. So kind of that, that, the formula that they try to, to follow, it's basically you have like the inner cadre, which is like you and like seven people. So that's okay, the yeah. formula is like you have your eight, yeah. your eight circle of friends, very loose. You know what I mean? And then you have your middle cadre, which is like, you know, the, the, the overall group. So the, the way that they describe it, it's like eight groups of eight. So that would be like your local freedom cells. So for like us here in Eugene, like we have, you know, even though in, the, in our telegram group, we have you know, a couple hundred people. We also have a separate telegram group for people who've actually attended the meetups, you know, so that's like kind of the inner, inner circle there, but then, you know, and you start to build trust amongst those people, but, uh, and then you have the meta cadre, which is like maybe eight 
groups of the 64, you know, so probably the whole Pacific Northwest would be considered our little meta cadre. And I've, you know, we, we have telegram groups for just the Pacific Northwest. So, you know, you kind of get to know and interact with these people. And then you go to some of these meetups like in Portland or like a festival up in Seattle and you get to meet some of the folks that you've been kind of interacting with online and all this stuff. And so, you know, it's, it, yeah. So I think that's kind of the recipe is the eight, eight, eight. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's loose. fantastic. It's, and it's got a sacred yeah. a sacredness yeah. to it as well. I mean, I, I think yeah. it's just yeah. the way to use technology and the way to get people towards freedom. What are you laughing at? Sounds doing? like a recipe to gain weight. Yeah. So, but yeah, man, I, I just, I can't incur like, you know, uh, promote it enough, you know? And, and, and it's just like, what I always say to people is if, you know, you, you go to like freedomcells.org and you don't see a freedom cell in your community or your area, make one, start one, yeah. start one. Absolutely. Like don't, even if you don't think of yourself as like a leader or anything like that, just start one. And if you build it, they will come. Cause I guarantee it's a pretty big movement, you know, Derek bros and these guys, they go on a lot of shows. They talk about it a lot and it's, it's getting a lot of momentum. So I guarantee there's other people in your community that are going to that website and seeing that there's nothing there and they're getting discouraged and they just don't do anything further than that. I guarantee you're not the only one. So if you are the one that builds it, then it'll naturally just gravitate people to it. And that's kind of what happened with us. It was slow, but then it really caught on. And now, you know, over the last six months, like I'd say like a third of the interviews we've done are just people we've met in freedom cells you know they're just like the most amazing people i've ever met doing big things it's crazy yeah that's you fantastic so, wonder that's if we great. get Ephraim yeah. down there doing his art thing oh yeah that's a good idea there he you likes go. those yeah. festivals and stuff yeah. he's like he's got his solar projector oh yeah we're looking at Dude. the sun yeah he's a wow. super artsy cat yeah I'll uh i'll send uh i'll send him your info i'll text him tomorrow see if he's into it i'll, I'll send him your info right on awesome, Scott. Guys. Right awesome. on. Well, we appreciate you coming awesome. on. It's up to you if you want to hang out yeah. for the rest of the intro or not. You're welcome to stick around or you can run off. <laughs> it's up to you. Man, I'll let you guys do your thing, man. I appreciate you so much. All right, yeah, buddy. we appreciate okay, we'll you, see buddy. We hopefully, we'll see you in a few weeks. All right, see you guys. Sounds good. Peace. Right. Ciao. All right. Well, we got some good news, too. We got to share some exciting news. What's this? Oh, you had to. You know, I don't have a quote ready. What a great fader. You know, I knew you'd do this. I, you know, I knew it. <laughs> what was the good news? The book being out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> you gonna make it? Uh, yeah, I'll make it. They're less profound when you have to rush. Ours is now the aim of science fiction and the method of witchcraft. Though it is right to scorn false hope, we must engineer for miracles. The pursuit of science has always been the province of magic. If you feel crushed of hope, then do the work. There is no other path to salvation. Work is where inspiration rises. You are radical thinkers. Do not limit your field of action. Do not close off your limitless potential. Aldous Huxley. <laughs> close. That, that's pretty close. That's from uh, Peter. From Scar no, Peter Gray from Scarlet Imprint. How was that close? He's, he's an upcoming... Because this book is about oh. that era in uh, a lot of ways. The two uh, Antichrists. So my signal, it's, my spidey sensors were picking up on just not close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Thanks. it's a fantastic book. He's a, he's a coming up... Uh, he's a guest coming up on... Um, up and Comer? 
on uh, <laughs> Outlawed. <laughs> Only some people get that. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, he's on this show. He's on the regular show. Is he? Yeah. And it's a fantastic book. It's about Parsons and uh, Hubbard, Heinlein, Asimov, the occult, Crowley, NASA. I mean, it's unbelievable. NASA and the private operators can only honestly tell their stories if they account for black magicians and Nazi scientists, as they are the hell broth that spawned them. I was just at the used bookstore on the weekend. That's another another quote. Got it? Huxley. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was five parts to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Did you? Uh, I don't know. There's like four after parts. But Douglas Adams is the top tw- one in the top twenty uh, sci-fi writers of all time. Is he? Yeah. I mean, these guys. It's weird. These sci-fi writers. A lot of these popular guys came from. They're all connected around astounding stories and uh, the mag, the sci-fi magazines, and 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 a lot of the strange goings on from back from Crowley's work. It's I bought the Douglas Adams bill. You what? I bought the Douglas Adams book. Oh, good. Yeah, good. I need a new bookshelf again. Yeah. And then I bought uh, American Gods. Oh, yeah, nice. It was right on the counter. I walked up. It was was right there for six bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, is this somebody's? And he's like, like, no, man. It's all yours. (laughs) Nice. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. Right on. And then I'm walking out, and I hear, hey, man, where'd my American Gods go? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Are you serious? Yeah. I just kept walking. Oh, you're, oh, that's mean. Hey, man, I already oh. paid. I'm out the door. Something to do with the mask. You hey, know. at least you asked the question. I asked. Yeah. I did my due diligence. You blaming the mask? He's got some explaining <laughs> to do. It's not <laughs> hey, my problem. I didn't hear him. You can't I got just, the mask on. I you didn't can't hear just him. set a good book beside the till and not expect it to get bought. Yeah. I asked. This is my defense. I very clearly. Yeah. Said, is this book somebody else's? Speaking of good books. Secret Teachings of All Ages. Secret Teachings of All Ages, which happens to be a minute in length compared to the Secret Doctrine. What are the chances Cosmogenesis. Of that? I, I know, that. it's very strange. So very close. Oh, that would have been really crazy. But Maybe you edited it wrong, and it, well, they should be the same. I could have cheated, and I could easily cheat a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that was organic. Um, Anyways, yeah. So there is another version. There's a short, shitty version of Secret Teachings oh. of All Age. You want to avoid that and get the extra long version, 34 hours, narrated by your favorite, Graham Dunlop, and your other favorite, Russ Allen. Written by Manly P. Hall. I mean, it's a fantastic tome. It really is. And that is out in audio now. I mean, it's exciting. It's Are you like still on so- Discord? Uh, not really. Are you in the kind Snake of. Bros server? Uh, yeah. You should announce it over yeah, there. Yeah, I will. Both those books. I will. Yeah. Which, what do you mean both of them? Secret, Secret Doctrine. Yeah. And then we're working on Secret Doctrine book two, which is actually, to me, it's better than the first one. It's way better. There's a bunch of chapters on giants and dragons and all kinds of esoteric stuff like that. I mean, it really is, a lot of it's fantastic. I love how she's battling against science and religion. It really is weird to hear. Back in the 1800s, she was talking about megalithic structures, pyramidal stuff all over the planet. Stuff that I stuff that I thought we were only talking about, you know, sort of in the last five or ten years a lot. She was talking about it back then. So maybe that's why it's such a popular tome as well, you know. Ahead of her time. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that's a little over my head and it's a bit esoteric. <laughs> but, but there's some really good stuff in there. Speaking know? of which. Yeah. Would you guys let us know 
We're looking for what the next project's going to be. We got some good ones coming up. We still got Hamlet's Mill. I got to figure out. Uh, yeah, I mean, we that? got a lot of books. Are we, doing too. we got a Mill? long list, but what we want to know is what people want to hear in the public domain, right? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah. Because we only we're just two guys. Yeah, Hamlet's Mill is a good one. Yeah. So we'll still do that. Yeah, we got to get that out. Yeah. You should start editing that one when you're done this one. If I'm not done, sure, that'll be a good one to learn on. Okay. Uh, anyway, what books do you guys know of? What are those big? What's your secret teachings of all ages? Of your secret doctrine? I that's, mean, for us, those that's were the really ones. that's in the, the public domain. Doctrine of uh, has been on the shelf of the studio for almost the entire history of the show. That trilogy thing. No, the secret doctrine was bought, was found in an antique bookstore at CAC in Colorado. I bought that. I mean, there's weird synchronicities with this <laughs> stuff. And I, I remember talking to. Um, Is that just where it came from? Yeah, dude. I bought it in that store. I found it. It was all on its own in the antique store. I'm like, what is this doing here? How is this in, available in this antique store? How much is it? I don't know. I can't remember. 40 bucks, maybe 30 bucks. Like, it was like, it was a decent enough price that I'm like, oh yeah, I'm buying that. I mean, I can't say no to that. And then we end up narrating it and it ends up being a gem, you know? A gem. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Uh, so what do you guys want to hear? Anyway, just head over to adultbrain.ca. You can easily get to all of our audiobooks there. Secret Doctrine Volume 1 is there. Secret Teachings of All Ages is there. There's a few other, God Man, a few other, four or five other ones we've done. Those are the big ones. Secret Doctrine Volume 2 coming up soon. Uh, Joe Roop just read one for us. That'll be coming up soon. Thought Forms. It's interesting, uh, interesting, shorter book, but we've cool. got that coming out. So check out adultbrain.ca, Secret Teachings of All Ages. Between those two books, it's 70 hours. Yeah. So grab And that's just the final. I mean, it takes us double that for triple that, probably. Head over to adultbrain.ca, grab them, take them for a test ride. I mean, here's what you can do. Give us a good review. That would be great. Give it a good review. Can they review it even if they haven't bought it? I doubt it. Yeah. That wouldn't be very authentic. Yeah, that wouldn't be very... I hope not. Yeah, I shouldn't even ask people to do that. But buy it and then review Here's the thing. I'm going to give you a little inside scoop. Okay. You can go take an email address, any email address. Maybe make a new email address because you don't have an email address or you've done this once. You go, you sign up to Audible. We're going to give you a free month. You're going to need to put in a credit card number, but that's okay because you're going to cancel before they ever bill your credit card if you want. Or maybe you're going to get hooked and you're going to decide to stay. But if you don't, you get a free book. <laughs> So you sign up, you get a free book. What uh, book get you a thirty-four hour book. You can get a, one of two thirty-four hour books. You get Secret Doctrine, Secret Teaching Values. Here's the other thing: you get a member's rate. So you could go in theoretically, you could get both those books for like thirteen bucks. Yeah, and then you could review torch them. it, and then review them, and then just if you yeah. don't want to keep your membership, or you could just take it. the free one, listen to one of them, review it. Walk off into the sunset. Yeah. You don't spend a dime. You get to listen to a great book by a fantastic fellow on his birthday. They were tough reads, dude. I'm telling you. I'm looking forward to reading a book that's like a little bit more simple and a little bit easier to read. Those ones are yeah. almost impossible simple to Jack. read. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how about a two or three hour book that's really interesting that's like not mine? like. Oh boy, that'll be dry too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be worse. <laughs> reading, reading government documents in the middle of it. Thanks, yeah. dude. 
and slanderous things. Like, hey, can I'll we? I'll be able to cut hey, you out saying the most terrible things. Hey, can we do this in an audiobook? Can we do the government documents? 16, the government subsequently provided $44,000 to fund the creation of three residential schools in Butlerford and Quipopal, Saskatchewan, and High River, Alberta. The intention of ending the separate existence Slow of indigenous down. peoples as such was expressed in 1887 by John A. Macdonald. How about you just McDonald, do it and I'll speed you up McDonald, like that. McDonald, we can't put the government no, stuff in like that. No, like, no, 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 can't no, do, no. You're, no, you read it. I read it? Yeah. I was hoping maybe to like just all read your stuff. Plug, plug your nose into it. And you're the government guy. And then he said, the government said, Perfect. Uh, Grammarica.ca slash support, guys. If you can, when you can, we love you for it. Uh, we do our little podcast here. This will be episode 503. Free podcasts all out there in the ether. We don't charge for them. We don't do affiliates. We don't do any of that stuff. We just hope that you, uh, it's not a free show. It's a value for value for show. We throw it out there in the hopes that it will f- add a little value to your day, to your life, to your commute, wherever the fuck you're listening to us. If it's adding some value, Rock, the Rockfin thing too. Don't head over to grandamerica.ca slash support. Sign up today for a monthly. Um, we sign up. I don't know if you can do yearlies anymore. You can do monthly. You can do one time donation. There's a Stripe. There's a Patreon. Whatever floats your boat. Sign up for one of those. Be fantastic. It's not a free show. Value for value show. So if you are getting some value, value from the show, do head over there. And uh, get us through the dog days of summer. Sign up for uh, support today because the support's down and we need your support more than ever. Grammerica.ca slash support. You can also support the show by heading over to rockfin.com slash Grammerica. <clears throat> if you want to sign up for the, we got a bunch of great shows over there. You pay the nine bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. You get access to all the premium content, including all our video content over there. We do the special show, Grammerica Goes Deep, which is uh, a bunch of great stuff. It is about there's got to be kind of more video, more presentation. I think there's style 21 kind of, of them stuff, over yeah. there so far yeah. now. There's about 21 episodes. Video shows about an hour each over there. If you want to go check those out, we'll have new ones coming out every week or so. There's also grammericaoutlaw.ca, the other podcast. We would love if you guys could go over there, sign up for that. We just did a show about residential schools over there. We're doing some China stuff. We're doing a bunch of residential school stuff. We're doing a bunch of important stuff. Hitting it heavy on that. Hard hitting yeah. heavy stuff over there. Uh, you can go over there and just listen for free. I mean, there's an hour every week that's free. <clears throat> there's a bonus show coming out right away with Whitney Webb. We're actually talking about throwing some extra content out over there. So that's free. Head over to grammericaoutlaw.ca. If you do decide you want that extra hour, head over to grammericaoutlaw.ca. Sign up for Plus. You get the two hours a week then and uh, some bonus stuff. We throw some reads and stuff in the back end of that once in a while too. But it's a bunch more extra content. Right there, you can get the hour for free. You can get two hours for six bucks a month. Uh, anything else? That's about it. I think. That's oh, about just it. while the well, are you putting in the, the rock and stuff? Yeah. We'll do the little teaser here with Matt Apocalypse on uh, who agrees with. Oh, Orlando this is Carlson fantastic! Yeah, on where is... the Azores are. About where Atlantis is Atlantis in the Azores. Is. Yeah, he does a bunch of measurements, like going from Gobekli Tepe and the pyramid, or the Sphinx, I should say, to the pyramid, but then also all the way over to the Azores. It's fantastic. Some really interesting distances and some interesting angles between some Hopefully of the old not. sacred sites in the in the Mediterranean. Hopefully not fantastical. 
I don't think so. It's pretty good. It's it's interesting to think about it either way. It is. And it's very interesting how he's using open software that he can, like, nobody's really had the access to that over, like, past two years ago, we couldn't have even done that presentation. Bingo, bango. You heard it here first. Check out the audiobooks, adultbrain.ca. Support the show if you can. We love you for it. Uh, enjoy the teaser and then the chat with Marguerite. Marguerite. Regula Bougio. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought to myself, well, there's a, a European agency that's um, put together a load of bathymetric data, and they sort of released that in 2017, 2018. It was like a, a Google Earth-style format. And I thought, ah, I'll have a look on there. I'll go through Plato's Dialogues, and I'll see if I can find anything. And uh, I found something. Plato describes the, the lost island of Atlantis as being bigger than Libya and Asia combined. And in the context of his time, that would mean... Um, a small part of North Africa and part of the Middle East. So not not we, what we would understand as, as Asia and um, Libya, Libya yeah. today. It's, it would be a lot smaller, but it's yeah. still we're still looking for something pretty big. So the Azores Plateau, after watching Randall's video, um, was the, the best place to look, really. And if you look at the rest of the Atlantic Ocean, there's no, there's no other continental-type crust that's underwater um, of, of a similar size. There's only very small islands that pop up now and again. Um, and then if you look at the centre of that island, we're looking for a level plane. Well, there's a level plane at the centre of the Azores Plateau, about 2,000 metres underwater. And if you look at that level plane, you'll find some concentric rings that are, that are the same size as the concentric rings of the lost city of Atlantis that Plato describes. Before we actually look at the bathymetric um, data of the rings in the Azores, this is the concentric rings that have been described by Plato in his dialogues, the Timaeus and Critias. Um, so you have a central island in the middle that's five stadia wide, surrounded by a ring of water, then another ring of land, which is two stadia, another ring of water, two stadia, and the last ring of land is three stadia, and it's surrounded by um, the final canal on the outside, which is three stadia wide. So it gives you a total of 27 stadia, which using the 185-meter stadia, that works out to be 4,995 meters. Um, so if I just move on a couple of slides. So as I said before, this the bathymetric data is quite low in its resolution. Um, but if you actually measure this circle in the middle, um, so you can definitely see two concentric circles, not three, um, but the outermost one is 4,996 metres wide, and it's about three stadia um, in, its, in um, the actual width of the canal itself. So um, I thought, well, that was, that's a, that was a bit surprising. The green outline there is how I've roughly outlined the Azores Plateau. Um, I basically looked for the centre by just drawing... Um, a line from each face of the sort of roughly triangular plateau um, to the opposite corner. So where the lines converge is where the center is. That's where I started looking. What's that um, distance approximately so between that those two distance dots? Distance is about um, it's about forty kilometers. And considering the the, the place is about six hundred kilometers wide, it's pretty yeah, pretty yeah. close to the yeah. center. It's the only sort of, um, well, there's a couple of places where there's level planes. There's a, a level plane about 40 kilometres east as well, and there's a level plane 
about 40 kilometres south. So they were the only two sort of viable candidates. The purple is where it's really deep. Uh, the white is all above water. And if we go off the so coast look of Africa, at, so just look at, I mean, look at how, that's all. how it sticks out. The Azores just sticks out like a sore thumb with this. That is absolutely nuts, isn't it? The, uh, it seems to point directly to the, to the center of there. But what's even more interesting is if we break out the ruler, the measurement tool. And you're not just dragging that line till it lines up. I mean, it's coming from the sun, right? And the Sphinx. Yeah. So that's, that's, um, I've, I've based that on the summer solstice, yeah. um, of this year. And we have Gobekli Tepe. You can tell I've done this a few times. Yeah. And we have Gobekli Tepe um, up here. It's now under that um, canvas tent here. But it's if you look at the distance on the screen to the centre of Gobekli Tepe from the Sphinx head, that's basically exactly 1,080 kilometres. So it's a, a ratio of 1,000 to 1. Yeah. So yeah. that would have, at the beginning of the Holocene, that would have been... The easternmost that point there would have been the easternmost island of the Azores. Now this island here is the um, Great Meteor Seamount or Sea Bank, depending on who named it. Um, that would have possibly have been above water at the beginning of the Holocene. That region there looks like it could have been. Um, the westernmost part of this island, which is the part I've, I've used to draw this triangle. If you draw a line to the Great Pyramid from the head of the Sphinx, that almost acts as a mirror for the angle. So you know how I said that distance there to there was 1,080 yeah. um, metres. You can reflect that vector perfectly across that line there. And that gives you the angle to go Beckley Tepe, which is why I don't oh, think it's an accident. That's right. Yeah, I saw that. That line there, that corresponds to 23.3 degrees of arc, um, which is the obliquity angle of the Earth. That's the same distance. That's 23.3 degrees of arc as well. And that distance from there, so the, the midpoint, which is around about where the uh, pillars of Heracles are. All right, we got a special episode tonight about the miraculous conception. We have Marguerite Mary Rigoyozo, PhD with us. She's the director of her own esoteric school, the Seven Sisters Mystery School. And her most recent book, among many others, is The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, Mary and the Lineage of Virgin Births. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, I'm, Graham I'm, and Darren. Yes, I've been looking forward to this. It's a great book and because we've been talking about ancient mythologies and mysteries and religions always in there. And uh, this is a great little compliment to a bunch of the episodes we've been doing recently. It's just something I've never really thought too much about. So it really got me... It really got my mind mind going here. Thanks for your engagement with it. It's always exciting when somebody's interested in the subject matter. Yes, for sure. So, you know, you've written books on a little bit of this before. Do you want to start on why why you kind of wrote why you decided to write this book? Yeah, I have these two previous books are called um, "The Cult of Divine Birth in Ancient Greece." 
And the second one is called Virgin Mother Goddesses of Antiquity. And those basically are the rollout of my doctoral dissertation from the California Institute of Integral Studies into books that are very scholarly with Paul Grave McMillan. Still readable, though, and they outline, they lay out the whole idea that virgin birth was an actual real thing that high-level priestesses were doing in ancient Greece. So, of course, while I was starting the research, um, right away you're thinking about Mother Mary, even though I wasn't, I didn't start out thinking about Mother Mary. I started out thinking about Greek priestesses, and I wanted to do all sorts of explorations about them, but then I had this intuitional downpour that said, hey, Greek priestesses were actually doing divine birth. And so as I, then I started looking at all the references to, to Greek priestesses, I found a ton of evidence to support that idea. So of course, right away, I started thinking, wow, Mother Mary wasn't alone. She had precedence women who were all over the ancient Mediterranean world and really beyond to the whole entire globe. And it was able, you know, by doing this research, I was able to situate Mary in a tradition of divine birth. So she wasn't the the first, last, you know, and only woman to do this. Um, But we even know that from Christianity because we know that Elizabeth, her, turns out to be her aunt, Um, gave birth to John the Baptist this way. We know that Sarah in the Bible gave birth to Isaac this way. So I had already wanted to start writing about Mary when I was doing my dissertation, but then I realized this dissertation is getting way too long. It was already 600 pages. I had to cut it somewhere. I said, all right, I won't write about Mary now, but I'll start teaching about this in slideshows and things like this. So I did that, you know, when the book started coming out in 2000, well, the dissertation came out in 2007, the first two books in 2009 and 10, but it's been all this time before I've really gotten to dig in and write the book about Mary that I already had gestating within me because I was teaching about it. I had done all the research. And so it really kind of flowed in like a four or five month period. It was written, boom. What were you doing in the meantime? Is that, were you uh, in your esoteric school and that type of thing? That's right. That's right. You know, so um, in 2010, the second book was published. And then after that, I mean, I continued to to work in academia as like an adjunct faculty person at various California uh, colleges and graduate schools, and even in the UK. But then at the very end of 2011 and, and beginning of 2012, Um, I met a person who helped me start my own school. And that's when I kind of left academia, uh, left teaching in, in, you know, formal, formal classes. And I really started weaving all of my writing and research and teaching into more and more and more experiential classes for people. And that's the substance of Seven Sisters Mystery School. But my first classes, my first programs were on divine birth. So that was a really interesting way to sort of jump into it. So what kind of ancient uh, mysteries and religions and mythologies do you cover in, in your school? Well, I would say, you know, I focus mainly on the the ancient Mediterranean world and Greece, um, Italy, North Africa, 
that's kind of where my leanings are. It's not like I'm totally knowledgeable about Native American spirituality and I'm coming from that or, you know, Buddhist traditions. No, it's more kind of what I know from my DNA in this lifetime. And I think a lot of my past lives, it's what I've discerned was part of this ancient tradition in Italy, in Greece, in England, in, um, you know, Egypt and going on to the Levant coast you know, maybe where present day Israel is, Iraq, that type of thing. When I really tune in, that's where I feel like I've gotten my information streams from. But then it's also kind of from the Akashic records. It's timeless. It's from the star nations, right? It's you're you're discerning um, perennial esoteric information that probably cuts across many traditions and is really not culturally bound either. I wasn't too familiar with uh, the other examples of this type of birth in Christianity. So it, cause everybody seems to just focus on Mary and, and that, right. but it, it's uh, interesting to hear more. So maybe, maybe you can get into some of the things that, cause it's hard to, it's hard to wrap your head around for some, especially for somebody that's not very, uh, religious maybe, or open to like these sort of metaphysical supernatural type phenomena. What, what are some of the things that, that you can say are, are, uh, evidence of, of this happening? Right. In, in the Christianity specifically. Right. Well, in Christianity, um, you, you learn about in the, in the Bible, in the new Testament that, Right around the time Mary gave birth to Jesus, Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist in the same way. She, she though, was an older woman while Mary was a younger woman. And um, John the Baptist went on to become sort of the baptizer of Jesus. You know, he empowered Jesus. Uh, he, he kind of went a little bit before Jesus. And... So those are the those are the ones that people in Christianity will be mostly familiar with, uh, and you know that that they have heard of this idea of miraculous conception right through these two women. But then, most people in Christianity also have probably heard about the Hebrew Bible and the founding father of Judaism, Abraham, whose partner wife Sarah. Um, had a divine conception also in her older years. And it, that was Isaac. And that's the famous story where Abraham tries to sacrifice Isaac and Sarah's like, no, don't do it. You know? <laughs> so these are just some things that, that some people have heard of um, in the Judaism and Christianity, you know, over the, over the course of their religious learnings. Um, what we find out in the gospel that I look at, which is not part of the official New Testament, it was rejected by the Catholic Church at the Council of Nicaea, but it was beloved by the people of early Christianity, and it forms the foundation of a lot of the Catholic feast days, strangely, like Mary's presentation in the temple or Mary's birth. And what this suppressed gospel known as the infancy gospel of James tells us is that Mary herself was divinely born by her mother, Anne. Okay. 
So Anne is not somebody we hear about a lot in official Christianity, but you might see her referenced in the stained glass in, you know, such and such church. And it's like, where does, where did they hear about Anne? You know, well, it's from this gospel. This gospel gives that information as well as details about how Mary conceived Jesus that are not in the New Testament, right? So these are some of the things that I explore. And, and to address your question about, well, people who are not esoteric or religious, basically, this is looking at um, high-level spiritual arts that are possible by people. I call them technologies. In Eastern traditions, they call the ability to do counter-biological things uh, SIDHIs, S-I-D. D-H-I-E. A Sidhi is an ability to do things like walk through a wall, not cast a shadow, um, live on air, uh, cut off your hand and put it back together, die and then come back. And these miraculous abilities have been attributed to numerous holy people like in India um, and, and that part of the world. So what I'm pointing out here in this book is that Miraculous birth is yet another Sidhi, but it's one that's only open to women by virtue of the fact that they have the womb. But there are various ways that we can conceive children, and the usual kind of sexual union is not the only way. So once we start, and also parthenogenesis, which is virgin birth, you know, is possible in certain biological creatures, animals. Um, naturally, and then also they have been that has been induced through uh, experiments, through the application of chemicals to to eggs like mice eggs and rabbit eggs and things that, things like that, or electric shock. Okay, so parthenogenesis has been scientifically induced in certain beings, and this is looking at parthenogenesis as a high-level shamanic, siddic art of women. So once you start opening the door to that angle on it, it maybe starts seeming not quite so weird, or at least you have a precedence or a context for it that doesn't just make us accept it as a weird thing that we have to go on by faith alone. And it's and like like your earlier work showed. I mean, it, it's not just like those three people in Christianity or anything. It's it's all it's it is all over. In- Throughout the ancient Mediterranean world, for example, the mothers of Plato and Pythagoras were said to have divinely given conceived these <sighs> these beings. Okay, the mother of Alexander, the so-called great Olympias, is said to have. Uh, conceived Alexander through one of the types of technologies of divine birth. These women did not do it through parthenogenesis, which is like the woman herself becomes androgynous male, female, and conceives. But they were mating with beings in the astral plane, non-physical male entities. So this is, I find, a continuum of these practices and also, I trace how this practice degenerated. 
so that the women were eventually, you know, they were being raped um, by these astral beings in their parthenogenesis process. And so then a different type of being would be born. Then later the women would actually actively cultivate this practice of mating with uh, an interdimensional male. And that would have been like the Olympiases of the world. But there are other stories, you know, even in Native American tradition, uh, really all around the world, we have these divine birth stories. So it's not just by any means restricted to Mary or even the Greek priestesses, which is where, you know, I find a lot of evidence that um, mythological and legendary women, uh, meaning historical women that we've forgotten were historical women, did this. So you're talking like even incubus or sort of like you could say even demonic attacks or shadow people or I mean, and also I guess the the gods or the giants as well. Like it seems like there was maybe maybe throughout time that might have changed or I I don't know the difference between them, but it seems like definitely no, really, Graham, what you're getting at is in the in the Bible itself where it talks about. The sons of God cavorting with the daughters of men and giving birth to the Nephilim. That's a clear example of a use of a type of divine birth technology, but not for positive means, because the Nephilim were not that great, you know. (laughs) And um, yes, there can be all sorts of spirit attachments, sexual predations and rapes that go on. We have many women contemporarily reporting astral intrusions during their dream time or during their medicine ceremonies or, you know, other types of things that, that are unwanted. Some women have actually cultivated this. Some men have cultivated this, but, um, you know, at its most extreme negative level, we're talking about the demonic use of this divine birth technology to bring in the antichrist type of energy all right, the, the, the opposite of a Jesus onto the planet. And most likely those beings are or have walked around. Yeah, I was going to I was going to kind of go down this path in a little bit, but it, but it seems appropriate now because you mentioned these traditions and the seven or eight women that would get together in in their in their temples, that type of thing and go through this this process. I, I pictured this lineage maybe moving on in secret uh, throughout the ages. And then yeah. is there also a darker lineage, you know, a sort of a more evil aspect of that, where there yeah. might be people trying to do what you just said, like bring out. Yeah, more. I think there's a light because we're in duality. There's always the path of light and there's the path of the demonic. So most likely there were numerous Rosemary's babies types of situations going on. It may still be going on. It might be part of the Illuminati. You know, I can't say for certain, but I would intuit that. Um, And yes, I think that this practice as a light practice also had to go underground because it then would continue to be attacked by the dark forces. Um, The rapes of the maidens and so forth are just one example of that back in the Greek tradition, right? Zeus raping the maidens. That's like an Anunnaki reptilian type of predation on these women. And as patriarchy grew thicker and the veils got thicker and the controllers got more controlling, anything of the nature of divine birth would have had to go underground completely. And we 
basically see this with Mother Mary, okay? She, they are kind of already, in a way, um, freaking out about that. At a time where the public doesn't fully get or understand what's going on. There ends up being a lot of controversy when people find out that Mary is pregnant in this, in this gospel. Um, even the men around her, her who are supposed to be elevated are going 3D on her and saying, how did you become pregnant? Slapping her around, you know, and then they have to be visited by these angelic beings who are like, no, no, she's really pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You better shape up and support this woman, right? Because both Joseph, her, con- her partner, her consort, and Zechariah, Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist's partner, they went unconscious for a while, and they were doubting that, that this was real, that this was really happening. They had to be visited in dream time by the angelic forces. So then what you have is that when this birth took place, Mary had to go on the run, and so did Elizabeth, because once those controllers, namely, you know, um, the, the reigning, um, not Pontius Pilate, but the, the other one, um, Herod, <laughs> the reigning reptilian rulers, once they get wind of this, they're like, caw, caw, you know, where is that child? Eradicate, you know, if they had drones in that era, boom, these kids would have been gone, but they didn't have that tech. So they were looking for them and killing all of the children under two years old to be able to eradicate these beings that were high level that were coming on. They did not get eradicated, though. Mary very, you know, hid Jesus in a trough and Elizabeth hid John the Baptist in a mountain cave. Okay, and they escaped But it was a very dangerous time for the Holy Family. And even the writer of this gospel, the supposed James, who might have been one of Joseph's sons from a previous marriage, said, I've had to go into hiding to write this. Do the, do the, uh, regardless of how it happened, whether it was through like the spiritual sort of interdimensional incubus type thing or the divine birth itself, do they have to be virgins at the time? Like, has there been any instances of, of, uh, pregnancy through like shadow man or, or incubus type stuff if, if they're not virgins? Well, um, I'm going to have some weird questions like that. No, it's, it's, it's a great it's, question because it is the exact point of it all. This is, you know, Mary's virginity has been used as a weapon, you know, by certain religious institutions and as an oppressive force for all women saying, if you, if you want to be good, you have to be a virgin. No. The point is that Mary needed virginity as a part of the technology to do this if she wanted to do it in a high level because she needed to be sovereign so that she could completely connect with divine source creator herself in her high, spiritual, elevated way without the the influence of another male's energy or karma it's just the way it was it was understood that a virgin conceiving in the right way would bring in the highest level being and that's why through this technology now there was an accompanying tantric a high tantra that would involve the male and female having um union 
in a very high way as well. So you have parthenogenesis on one side and high tantra on the other, but then you have this droop where both of them degenerate into, you know, the rapes of the maidens for parthenogenesis and then the lower technologies of like Egypt to bring forth the pharaohs. Okay. So, you know, there's, there, there are a lot of things that are going on here. Usually, what I understand is that even the tantric priestesses, though, reserve themselves sexually for this ritual activity. They were like otherwise virgins, except for these times when they would engage in this way. Um, yeah, there's just something about the sovereign womb that allows for a particular type of energy to come in. What about the connection with the male energy where they would leave for 40 days, 40 nights, go on some sort of uh, vision quest or, you walk know, about. to walk about to sort of to, but it was part of, part of that, the whole ceremony in a way, right? Maybe informally or maybe sometimes. Um, you're talking about the men? Yeah, involved? yeah, yeah. Say it again. Say your question again. Like how they had to leave. Some of them left for 40 days, 40 nights. Like it wasn't just a one example. It was kind of like there's multiple times where you made a note that the men go on this sort of quest as well during the time to to maybe as part of the ceremony. Yeah. Good question. Right. When Anne conceives Mary, her partner, Joachim, goes away on a vision quest. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Probably a 40-day, 40 40-night 40 thing. We don't know how long. But <clears throat> he's doing his own energetic work out in the desert while Mary is in her garden by her, I mean, excuse me, Anne is in her garden by her laurel tree working with the higher dimensions, getting pregnant. But he's supporting her energetically, okay? That's my uh, analysis of the situation which is also supported by somebody named Claire Hartsong, who's written these channel books called Anna, Grandmother of Jesus, and Anna, Voice of the Magdalens. She discerns that these men would lend their spiritual essence to the process, not their sperm. With the case of Mary, she was even more solo, though, because Joseph went off. They, see, these men were never the conjugal husbands of these women. They were guardians, protectors, and supporters, energetically and financially. Joseph was assigned Mary in this gospel by divine synchronicity um, to be her guardian, but he did did so reluctantly because the situation is seen as a kind of marriage, even though it's not an official marriage and it's not a sexual marriage, But she was so much younger than he was that he was, like, embarrassed about this whole thing. And he had to be really um, induced by an angelic being in his dream state to come back into his role. When he went off, he went off to do a carpentry project. He was not lending his male essence to this process. So it was really all Mary, beginning, middle, and end, working with Mother Divine to do this. In the case of Sarah in the in the Hebrew Bible, there's some indication that Abraham may have been involved in this energetic level with her as well for that conception. These are somewhat mysteries, like the information has been veiled or it's gone missing, and I'm I'm 
discerning here uh, through use of academic research, but also my intuition. And I think that's what's going to come forth over time is people are just going to continue to access the Akashic records to pull forth this information. Yeah. So would she have been considered a witch at the time? Would that have been considered witchcraft? No, it, she would have been considered a very high-level priestess. Witchcraft has the um, implication of there being some lower-level energies involved, and that would not have been Mary at all. She was of the absolute most impeccable. Um, she was the highest holy person who ever walked the planet, according to Sri Kaleshwar, the late Hindu saint, who did a lot of study about her even higher than Jesus, really. And you would have to be to be able to bring someone such as Jesus in, right? This is talking about women at their apex of power. Mary achieved it after many, many lifetimes. Witches have some of that power. And I think, though, um, you know, it really depends on the witch. You could have had very high-level high vibrational witches, and you could have had lower level, lower vibrational witches. And really, honestly, the same would be for the word priestess. You could have your high level and low level. So I don't mean to like cast an aspersion over the word witch, but that is not something that would have been used for Mary in any way. It seems like it's also something that that came about more towards the middle ages or the dark ages or a little bit after, after that sort of, uh, yeah, the area around 2000 years ago. Yeah, it's a term that came up later. I mean, at the time of Mary, it would have been like sorceress or, you know, that kind of thing that you get into. And, you know, I'm sure there were people who might have called her that, like, wow, what kind of magic is she doing, right? Um, She may have had aspersions from people, but, you know, those of us who are, believe we're understanding this at a deeper level, know that she was a very high vibrational being. Let's stick with the uh, the process then, because it's pretty fascinating. So there's groups of like the way you describe it in your book is is fascinating because they're going to stay virgins for as long as possible throughout this. They're in a, a temple with a, a bunch of other initiates or adepts or whatever, whatever. Yes. I can't remember exactly the word you use. And then there's some processes or maybe other like you could say technologies like sound, for example. And yeah. even I was thinking about Lynn McTaggart's The Power of Eight, because you do mention there's seven plus Mary for yeah. that one. And I mean, Lynn McTaggart's come up with eight as being a pretty relevant number for intention work and manifesting stuff. Wow. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> they, they were doing it. They were a group of eight. It was Mary plus seven virgins from the lineage of David. So there was a lineage involved. And one of the women, it seems, was also Elizabeth, that mother of John the Baptist. I contend that both Mary and Elizabeth conceived in the same divine birth circle ritual. Yeah, and maybe they were all trying. Maybe they were trying to do all of them together. So it wasn't intentional? It wasn't like they were doing something else and they're like, oh, No, no, no. This is like something they've been practicing. No, they've been planning. They're super intense the whole way through their life getting to that moment. Like this is a like serious, serious discipline to get to that point. Serious serious ritual. It's the highest, most serious ritual you could ever have on the planet. It was divinely timed. It was orchestrated with the stars. It was connecting women to one another. And um, what I believe is that prior to the ritual, what you have is that Zechariah, the priest of the temple, 
<clears throat> has the women pull threads and the threads that they pull, the color thread probably designates what role they were to take in the ritual. Mary and Elizabeth both pull the scarlet thread, but Mary also pulls the purple thread, the royal thread. So she's got, you know, the root chakra red and the crown chakra purple. She's the one who's going to bring the highest holy avatar. And Elizabeth is going to bring the one who helps the avatar arise to his status and his awakening. So I think that it's that red thread that they pull that indicates, okay, these are the two women who are going to conceive in this ritual. There you go. Red thread. A lot of women wear the red thread around their, around their wrist um, as perhaps a hidden memory of this, this type of women's circle work and that this is the highest dimension of it. Funny when I read that, I thought right away, I thought of the crown and the, and the root chakra. Yeah. Yeah. And then I couldn't believe you had it on the next page. I was like, Oh, well, so you were already discerning. I mean, that's the thing. It's like people have intuitive responses to this material. So that's good. I mean, you're, you're tapping your own knowing. And in terms of the other techniques, I do talk about that. As you mentioned, they were using the light interface and Claire Hartsong talks about that in her channeled books, that this, these were light conceptions. <clears throat> the women are working at a high quantum level. They had to be. They had to be working where light is the intersection of consciousness, matter, and love. Okay? So all of that wrapped in is what they're working to bring in and weave into their wombs. The, the metaphor for what they were doing was weaving. So it looks like they were just weaving a temple veil, but I get under that symbolism and say, oh, they were weaving all right, but they were weaving DNA. They were weaving, you know, the quantum materia into, into physicality. They probably were also using sound technologies. It could have been mantras. It could have been light language. It could have been tonality. Um, they were working in harmony with these angelic forces they were using heat and sexual energy, kundalini energy. It was not devoid of passion. You know, they had to generate uh, the sexual desire within their bodies for this to happen. So that starts getting a little and transmute uh, there for, for some religions that are like, whoa, you know, virginity does not equal sexuality. Well, in this case, it does. You see, I'm, I'm flipping the whole thing uh, right side up based on this research that I've done and how I'm able to cross-reference everything that goes on in that gospel with things that I discovered in ancient Greece, and it all suddenly makes sense. Yeah, Napoleon Hill talks about uh, transmutation of sexual energy as being one of the most powerful tools of manifestation. Yeah. Absolutely. And with this, you have the woman doing it within herself. So she becomes the whole source creator being. She becomes the male female herself. I mean, it's like, it blows your mind when you really think of it. Yeah. I mean, the sound, the sound is critical too in the light. I mean, my, my friend's mom was humming or uh, doing a uh, toning exercise in a dark restaurant and she created a spark of light. So something happens with, it must've been so resonant 
and the, and the fre- once the frequency gets to a certain point, sound becomes light. So imagine being so well versed and practiced in that in the ancient temple that you could maybe focus that light into the egg. Maybe that's why there's no uh, torches in the pyramid. (laughs) They just had some slaves or some people just, it was their job to just. mm, That's right. It's kind of like in, um, in Dune. Right. They're using that sound technology. And incidentally, Dune has a divine birth story. Okay, go check it out. Which one? I read them all. There's a huge Dune panel. He just read them in the last few years. The first Dune book. If you go back now and look at it, um, uh, the character, the main character's mother is a divine birth priestess. That's how she's conceiving. Go check it out. So I love what you're saying, Graham, about sound becomes light. I had never consciously thought of it before. I'm going to have to credit you. Uh, yeah, this is where the dualities become one, the polarities reverse the, you know, sound becoming light. That is the technology right there. Okay. You heard it for the first time on your show. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my friend, I mean, my friend's mom, like she's into singing bowls and all this kind of toning and all that. And they, they saw the spark of light when they, when they were humming. I mean, like a match. Yeah. It's like a, it's like striking a match. So and I, and I think when that's profound. It, I mean, this is like a missing link. That's why I love these interviews because a lot of times information comes through and that seems right on to me. And imagine that they're practicing this for years and years and years, for decades, for generations. They've been practicing this. They've, and you know, that without all these other distractions, I mean, imagine how much power they have spiritually to manifest. That's right. Light and That's sound right. or whatever in the, in the temples and all, and eight of them together focusing on it. I mean. That's right. When you have the women working at a very high level, right? So they these women were like the highest impeccable people, which is a rarity right there. But because Mary herself was already divinely born from Anne, she was an avatar. Okay. Because the purpose of this is to bring in an avatar, a very high holy high vibrational being mary was already that from her mother and then she's doing it bringing in jesus it's like double holiness she had high ethics she had high abilities she was trained by her mother first from the first three years in her mother's bedroom and the virgin priestesses would come and train her and then at three years old she was brought to the temple and continued the rest of her training until she was anywhere between 12 and 16 years old when this conception happened fascinating what about modern what about modern people like when after reading your book and we were talking to somebody the other day about sir francis bacon for example who who the queen queen elizabeth uh, Anne, i think is also her name which is interesting she claimed him as like a stepson or like he he was so close to the royal family that she kind of considered him almost one of her sons and i started to think about all these all these people from from history like Paracelsus or Count St. Germain or Sir Francis Bacon, Cagliostro, like, I mean, because there's something about these people that are just, they're at a level that you can't even imagine, Yeah, you know, a, hu- a human being, like at the sort of level of maybe like a Jesus or a Buddha or something, you know? Yes, and I think that is true. And 
It may be that they came in through divine means. Certainly, there's stories about this with Buddha. Um, there's stories about this with Lao Tzu. But I know you're talking about like the Western esoteric tradition. Paracelsus, if I'm recalling correctly, um, there are some stories in there. Was he working with the homunculus? Yeah, that's. I think so. Okay. So see, here's and the alchemy that. and all that, and that's why but I was thinking that's sort of more proof in a way or evidence okay. that this can happen, right? Here's the thing about alchemy: it's the male's attempt at divine birth. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm. All right, because they don't have the physical goddess-given womb within their body that is the only vessel that will allow an ensouled being through, which is why the gods are always raping the goddesses and women. They still have to have a womb in order to bring an ensouled being. I'm sorry, no amount of cloning is ever going to replace that, and that's what they that's what's bugging the hell out of them, these controllers. And they're trying every which way to create an artificial womb. Do you think that do you, do you think that the secret schools made it through all the way? The lineage made it through all the way? Like do you think there's some people practicing this now somewhere? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm putting it out there. I am asking to know whether there is an unbroken lineage of divine birth. I put it out there if it is meant for me to know in safety and in confidence, that information will be brought to me. Um, It may not be mine to know in this lifetime, and that's fine. If there are people doing it, blessings to you. You know, if you need to still keep it under secret wraps, great. That's fine. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that homunculus thing was very interesting to me when I was first doing the, the, the research on divine birth in ancient Greece. I really went far and wide and deeply with that whole thing. And um, I don't know if Aleister Crowley was in on it or whatever. But anyway, the alchemy, the hermetic vessel is meant to be the womb. That's what they were trying to do. Forget gold, although gold is, is really a high vibrational thing. They were trying for that too. But um, they haven't really been able to create gold. That's only the goddess is able to do that. And they haven't really been able to create an ensouled being. Only the womb, meaning the goddess, can do that. Now, they're trying as they, like the Dickens, but I decree that they will not do it. Well, they might through CRISPR. CRISPR. Well, in Dune, they just turned the Reverend Mothers into axolotl tanks and grew babies in them. But uh, now I think Dune still had the guy, though, and she was just able to make herself get pregnant. I don't remember. Um, I'll have to look into that a little bit more. Um, There's an implication there. There could be an implication, but yeah, they definitely say Paul is the, like, lineage of of Duke Atreides. Yeah, but, you know, they that's why they say Jesus is the lineage of David. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck oh, that didn't... shit. He's <laughs> the lineage <laughs> of Mary and the goddess. You know what I mean? Like, they always have to put insert this stuff in that it is not relevant, you know? They always have to give credit to the male line because it's so threatening. Oh, I see. It's so threatening to patriarchy that we can't even have these memes like look at even dune i mean it it can't even do justice to the divine birth thing it has to make it look like he's come she's 
you know, he's coming from that lineage. He's not, he's coming from his mother's lineage, you know? Um, so it's, it's just a whole different thing. And, and it's not about erasing men at all. It's just that there are different methods of this technology that are used. The one I'm particularly talking about is the parthenogenesis. Yeah. Did they choose that particular thing? Do they choose between women and men? Like they, they, uh, you know, Elizabeth had Anne or whatever the order was, and then they, Mary had Jesus. Right. Anne had Mary. Yeah. Mary had Jesus. Elizabeth had John. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. And your question was, do they choose? Yeah, like, what? did they choose a man? Like, let's say Mary, for example, was she manifesting of a male instead yes. of a female? Okay. Yeah, she was manifesting a male. Anne was manifesting, okay, I'm just channeling right now. Anne was manifesting a daughter so that she could have the highest level womb on the planet to do this. Oh, wow. Okay? Mary was manifesting a son. Because as Sri Kaleshwar says now, crediting him, she saw the controllers that were operating on planet Earth and just think about she was in the middle of the Roman Empire, dear God. And she saw how horrific the Earth was going, in, in what a horrific dis- direction the Earth was going. We needed an avatar to help clear this stuff up. But According to Sri Kaleshwar, which this is going to be more in a second book that I write about Mary, but because in this one, I feel like it was enough to just focus on the, her gospel and, and get that out. And she was working with Mother Divine saying, what are we going to do about this earth plane? And Mother Divine was saying at the time, you cannot be the savior you cannot be the clearer of this energy because you are the female. The female is the nature. You need a male energy to come in and help with this. So that's how she decided to conceive a male. And that male was Jesus because he carries the Shiva energy to go chop, chop, chop. It seems like coincidentally, or maybe, uh, Oh, not so much, ironically. I mean, I feel like the suppression of the female and the female energy, like you talk a little bit about it in your book, but it seemed to happen at that point. Yeah, I like, mean, it was already happening, but it just was getting worse and worse and worse. Like, really, King Arthur came in in a divine birth, okay? And that, to my mind, was the last legitimate royal divine birth on the planet it already had some trouble about it because there had to be some subterfuge around his mother egraine um bringing him in that way and but after arthur the veils really became thick and the ending of camelot was a great tragedy for a lot of people because it meant the ending of the divinely born kings and the beginning of the demonically born kings. That's what I'm channeling right now. Now, there is something about that transition to, to Arthur, which is why Lisa Renee is talking now about the return of Arthur in, in the Albion, you know, which he means like the, the plasma of the earth and that, that that is returning 
Along with the feminine? Yes, along with Guinevere, the Guinevere energy and the Sophia Christ. Okay, so we're in a process of a very intense rebirth. In New Age terms, that Aquarius? Yeah, that would be one way to put it, right? We could call it Aquarius. We could call it New Earth. We could call it Fifth Dimension. Okay. That Wow. I mean, we're at a, such an interesting time on Earth right now, too. Yeah, and I mean, a conversation of this nature, because, you know, you guys are carrying codes more information can come through the three of us, right? Yeah. Not all my interviews go like this. It's kind of stays at a certain kind of level, but we're like co-creating actually here. Wow. I get the shivers like twice now. Yeah, I know. I mean, you, I could see you too. You both went, whoo, a couple of minutes ago when you were like, holy crap, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is more than we bargained for. This is great. But you know, we didn't even know we were going to go to these places together. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, what, what, what else do you, I mean, where do you want to go from here then with us? Oh my gosh. Well, let's just take a minute and see what wants to come in. And if anything, you know, pops into your mind, let me know. But so really ultimately this is not about power. It's about love because what we've been talking about a lot seems like it's at the level of power. And it is. But really, this is all about bringing in the love energy and the love energy as the healer and the remedy to all of this controlling business that's been going on on the planet. And really, Mary's name means divine love. If you break it down into its Egyptian form, Mary. And Jesus was all about love as well. But a kind of a fierce love, you know, a love that's united with wisdom. And that's grounded into the earth. So we want to always remember that, that that's where we're coming from. That's who we are. And it's where we're going. Yeah, that kind of gets to the advice of what should we do during this time? You know, I guess love is the answer. Love is the answer. You know, it's the substance. And it's the goal. It's the road. It's the method. Love's always the answer, I suppose. It comes, it comes up so often, doesn't it? Yeah. It's become a trite saying, but at the deepest vibrational levels, it's completely profound. And it's healing, and it flips and reverses everything, and it makes anything that isn't love fall away <laughs> without it being a battle. Just by virtue of its own vibration, love is that. What about more advice for people to get into that vibration or love a little bit? Maybe even for the males, too, for the males. That's right. Well, we all have a heart, and we all have a connection to, our, to the womb in one way or another. Men have the Nadabindu point, which is a point of creation in their body, Women have that as well, and it, it leads you directly to Mother Divine's Holy Womb Chakra. So <clears throat> it's not about men, men versus women. It's about 
you know, just there's some functions that the human womb uh, can be responsible for. But in terms of coming back into love, we're still working on the healing on the emotional levels and the physical levels, right? We still have a lot of healing to do. So all of this has to go together because we don't want to be 11.55 p.m. with spirituality. We're so high, high, but we're like 4.30 p.m. in terms of our emotions. You know, we're, we're, we haven't like caught up with ourselves so we have to keep doing this plain old psychological, emotional healing. It's a really big time for that. And, and the work of Gabor Mate in bringing to light the trauma um, that has been perpetuated on us for, for hundreds and thousands of years, that's coming to light. So we're understanding what trauma is, how it affects us, that it creates negative behaviors, negative emotions, but it's not people who are to be blamed. It's that we're in this whole field of it. So we need to have self-care, self-love, self-compassion, understanding tools and mechanisms for lifting out this trauma, for re reconstituting the chakras, for re-engaging our DNA at deepest levels, and for really activating the heart through whatever means necessary. Sometimes it's just getting quiet and calm. You know, so all these tools and techniques we've been learning over the decades, meditation, medicine work, right? Breathing exercises. All of it is what will lead us to the healing and the opening of the heart. Do you think that's why there seems to be, I mean, it seems like, um, you know, in some ways, Christianity did a good job of stamping that out in some of the existing cultures and then you've got china stomping their foot down on the what was it falun gong, falun gong which is you know the breathing and breath work and stuff like that yes. yeah. <laughs> so is that the just controlled demolition yeah controlled demolition well imitating well imitating you know the very thing they're destroying progressive in science yeah they take it and they reverse everything these are the controllers that are behind these institutions and these forces and these impulses, these colonizations, everything. It's not really even the people themselves or even the institution. It's the entities that are within, among, below, beneath, and through these, these uh, institutions and people. That's what we also have to realize, that there is an interdimensional realm that is pretty fierce and that's what's running this show. And we have to declare sovereignty and say goodbye to those energies. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you, you mentioned that. The last couple of our guests have mentioned, you know, Gabor Mate and the entity behind the controllers. And I mean, it's really it seems to be coming up a lot. It's coming up a lot because we're all getting hip to it. We're awakening. We're converging. And these synchronicities that happen, yeah, people are saying multiple, you know, the same thing, multiple people. It's giving it validity. It's helping people to take it seriously and look at it and say, what does this mean for my own life? Yeah. Can you get into your school a little bit and how that, how people can learn more about all this through your school? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, people can, can check out seven sisters mystery school.com the seven is written out s-e-v-e-n 
And there you will be led to courses that are relevant to the material I've been talking about regarding Mother Mary, regarding the Holy Womb, regarding divine birth teachings, and also regarding an oracle training that I'm offering again for the first time in three years, which will allow you to develop qualities of seeing that the great female masters and male masters have had uh, on our planet. I provide some tools that help you in a grounded and safe way be able to open your knowing to and your connection to divine Sophia Oracle wisdom. And for those who want to do more intensive divine holy womb work, it's the holy womb chakra teachings. And there are many uh, free offerings that I have, videos. I work one-on-one with people. I have blogs and You know, there's just a lot of content that people can discover by going there. And of course, my books, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, which is available on Amazon in print, ebook and audible, which I really, I really recorded it mindfully to be able to transmit energies through it. And then my first two books, The Cult of Divine Birth in Ancient Greece and Virgin Mother Goddesses of Antiquity. They're, They're sold wherever books are sold, Amazon, in, Inner Traditions website, my, my publisher um, of the, the newest book, barnesandnoble.com and indie.org. Awesome. Didn't and they the, name uh, that uh, okay. artificial intelligence, Sophia? Yeah they, yeah, they probably did, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's so many weird names like that. Even the, all the rockets and a lot of this high-technology stuff is getting named like these ancient... Uh, they, they co-opt it. Yeah, exactly. The names of the the names of the companies, yeah. the names of the tools and technologies. You know, drone. I mean, you know, ISIS. Are, yeah. oh, oh my gosh! You know, it's yeah. always usually creating a reversal. Yeah, a reversal grid like it, yeah. on on a, a, a very high vibrational yeah. element or aspect. There's also a space on your uh, on your site. There is that still going? The the uh, there's a male uh, sort of shamanic teaching in there as well. Yes, I do sessions. for men. I mean, I give sessions to men as well. And I have a course called um, cultivating your shamanic power as a man. Um, that's just some good basics there. Um, yeah. It looks yeah. really cool. So, and some of the other courses men have taken, you know, and I, and I have a whole back library of courses that I don't even put on the website visibly because it would just overwhelm people, you know, but if you get on my email list this summer, we're going to be offering some of those at a discount. And those, those are really great topics, um, you know, about the male gods. I have one called Gods We Trust, and it's about Jesus, Asclepius, and Dionysus, right? So I've been doing a lot of esoteric teaching over the years. Um, yeah. That's great. Well, thanks so much. Darren, do you have any other questions? You. No, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Uh, it was fun. Yeah, that's You're great. welcome. Graham, Darren, it's a pleasure to be here and blessings to your listeners. Thank you, Marguerite. Thank you, Marguerite. Have a wonderful evening and uh, let you. us know when the next book comes out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll have you All back right. on. We'll, t- we'll get an update. Okay. Thanks. Love to you both. See ya. And that was our chat with Marguerite, what'd you say?
Well, that was one of the more profound chats I've had in a while. That was pretty intense. Opened a lot of, connected yeah. a lot of dots Opened a lot for of you. shockers. Were your shockers are open? <laughs> I don't know. Careful. I had the shivers Careful. a couple times. Got a little all glossy eyed there, even. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We could have a cry <laughs> on like the, the podcast. <laughs> I felt like the drums at the Elton John concert were going don't, off. Don't cry on the podcast. It's going to seem so inappropriate when I burst out laughing. <laughs> and well, no, that was be on purpose. No, that was good. I mean, honestly, I, there was some I'm, I, I'm really, I, I think it was coming from her, um, from her, her laptop. laptop. I mean, at yeah. first I thought it was only me, but then it started to do it with you a little bit and it could be the tone of our voice, but yeah, we got to make sure that people have their, uh, had their earbuds in just for that. Like that was the real reason why there something was, Something's activating your mic when we're not talking, so well, when we do talk, it goes through. Laptop or yeah. computer. Yeah, but sometimes it doesn't matter with people. Depends how good it is, I think. But I was so, I was so interested because I, f- I thought you might be skeptical of uh, this topic, and then, um, man, as we got through it, I knew I kind of I kind of saw you coming around a little bit, and then the Dune thing, and just the, did you? You saw yeah, me coming around? Yeah. No, I think you projected that. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it. Oh, did you? Yeah. When your shockers are light now? Yeah. Uh, no, honestly, I feel well, like the it's... The sexual it's, energy thing kind of made some sense with the Napoleon energy, yeah. but uh, I don't know. She's going to have a hard time disproving Paul being part of the line of the Atreides. I mean, he was the first male Reverend Mother, I guess. I mean, that he's got the powers of the Reverend Mother, but I don't know. Divine birth for Paul is a stretch, I think. Hmm. Plus, Paul's only one book, and then there's the whole rest of the series, hmm. which in the end has more to do with Duncan Idaho than anything else. Yeah, I haven't uh, read it in so many years. I think I read it when I was a kid. All eight, or just the no, first no, one? No, no, just the first one, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we've got a lot of Dune. I just love how Dune keeps... Dune's been coming up so much lately, dude. I don't know why. Why is that? I don't know. Is it... Is this in people's consciousness? Or? Maybe all the people are finally reading Dune, and so it's flying around. All the people I've been telling to read. For, I've heard from a few people they've read it. Yeah. So maybe that's what's going on. No, I've heard from people outside of, like, your influence. Oh, really? Yeah, like a Just, lot. If she's outside my influence. Yeah. Well, the oh, movie's I coming that. out, Man, too. I love, the, I love this episode. The movie's back to coming out in uh, October, I think. I feel like, I feel like checking out her uh, shamanic... Uh, course there i might look into that a little bit more there you go yeah now you're just not working you can do these courses no, i'm working all we'll day send you i work seven days a work, week go work in costa rica for a week I work yeah, seven that days. Retreat. Oh, that's what you were trying to think of the other day yeah, graham's gonna be off doing all these courses i'm and... working bro i'm working <laughs> seven days a week i'm learn- i'm a shaman now <laughs> fan lower boy <laughs> Big thanks to Mar- Marguerite to come on, for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, of course, even bigger thanks if you're one of the remote few who, not remote, but one in a hundred, maybe two in a hundred on a good day, that choose to support the show. GrabAmerica.ca slash support. If you can, when you can, sign up for that monthly. Uh, it really does help. Makes a huge difference. Uh, helps Graham work seven days a week on stuff that's important like podcasts and audiobooks and not just droning away at some corporate soul-sucking uh, factory or whatever. Uh, so grammarica.ca slash support. Uh, if you can, when you can, sign up for that monthly. If you're getting some value from the show, adding some value to your life in some way, you decide what that is. grammarica.ca slash support. 
there's a bunch of other ways in the show notes you can help that don't cost any money. You can do that right now. Share the show, review the show, uh, join the chats, buy some swag, maybe go America.ca slash swag, Facebook this shit, tweet this shit. We're shadow banned on everything. Oh, so even Instagram's not working for me now. You guys got to spit that shit out. Uh, so yeah, GrimAmerica.ca slash support. Share this shit. We love you guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. I sat on the wall. I could see it all. Trickery was afoot, and evil was at its root. The people were scattered plots Not many could connect the dots Some people stood tall In spite of their righteous voices made small Put down your phone Your souls turn the rhythm of the algorithm has driven a schism, created this prison. I'm shocked and appalled at the technocracy's gone. Pulling strings of marionettes, setting traps in cybernets. Infinite scroll as addictive as cigarettes. Cat videos for freedom of the press People that stand tall In spite of our righteous voices made small Put down your phone Your souls turn to stone the rhythm of the algorithm has driven a schism, created this prison. Double click on install. Rome's about to fall. This hard drive is corrupted, and our minds have been abducted by a silicon dream so seductive. When yelling at bots becomes unproductive People, we need to stand tall In spite of our righteous voices made small Put down your phone Your souls turn to stone the rhythm of the algorithm has driven a schism, created this prison. This prison.